Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. But you know what? It's more than that. We want to help you thrive in the midst of today's cancel culture. Our goal is to raise up workplace warriors who will stand for what they believe in, whatever the cost. You can find out more by visiting expertownership.com. But without further ado, here we go. Welcome back to Expert Ownership. You know, today's episode is going to be the last episode before Thanksgiving. Oh, I love that holiday. Yeah, we've got a lot to be thankful for. We're going to talk about food today. We're going to talk about traditions, some memories, even a little bit of history. Hey, but let me just say this. Do you know what I'm thankful for? What's that? Our podcast sponsor. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. That is a shameless plug, but I'm not joking. I'm not just so good. Christian Healthcare Ministries. This podcast is brought to you by Christian Healthcare Ministries. David and I have partnered with them. Wait a second. It's 18 years. 18 years. 18 years. 18. How long ago was it when Lundy was yeah. in ICU? And ICU. They, they covered everything. Two weeks. She was there for two weeks, but that took place right when she was born. So that was yeah. 11 years ago. Thank God we didn't have the insurance nightmare that yeah. many people have. Well, it's not insurance. And it's how many, health sharing. But but how many, uh, let's see, five kids? Let's see, I had three on Christian healthcare. I think I had two or three. I don't, I don't uh, know. You only had oh, two. Come on. But anyways, we're thankful for Christian healthcare, especially as entrepreneurs. We have to run a business. Larry. That was one of our first things yeah. when we started a business. We didn't know how in the hell, heck we were going to get... I what didn't what did Jason? you just say? I swallowed. <laughs> hey, I swallowed Larry, how in you... the heck we were going to get insurance. And and we just we found uh, health sharing, which is an alternative to insurance, and Christian healthcare is the best out there. Larry, read, read a couple of sentences so that it makes sense for people. I will be happy to do that in the same ways. Please take that clip and... Cut it out and send it to David and I so we can have that of Jason That's right. cussing. At I the swallowed while I was saying heck. Swallowed your anger and he- expressed it. Okay, with heck. Jerk. Some real strong language this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple things about Christian Healthcare Ministries. You might know them as CHM. This is actually who David and Jason have been with for the last 18 years, like you just heard. But this is a healthcare alternative for people because it's a ministry, it's committed to sharing medical bill expenses. With people, so out-of-pocket expenses are usually minimized because CHM shares the burden of covering medical bills. So, literally, hundreds of thousands of people have already worked with CHM, signed up for a program that works best for them. So, if you are interested and you're listening today in learning more about a cost-effective option for you and your family, we want you to visit expertownership.com/chm. Oh, that was Perfect. powerful. That's excellent, Larry. He's very CHM. well done. Christian Healthcare Ministries. And I appreciate that about you. Hey, we love them. All right, let's jump into this episode. This is going to be a great episode because Thanksgiving always just brings out the best in people. I should say. Except for mainstream media, it brings (laughs) out the worst in them because they try to hide and cover up our true roots. You know what? We might need to just right out of the gate go with the history. I I just. (laughs) Well, can I I say something? Okay, so this is Jason. So for you listeners that. The, the voice that sounds more manly between the two brothers is always Jason. David's voice is a little higher, which is fine, but my voice has a little more of that velvet bass tone. That kind dude. of buttery that and smooth? Just, yeah. No, Larry, right? yours is buttery. No, yours is buttery. Mine's not. <laughs> Mine's more like a hammer. All right, Jason, uh, well, what are you going to say? I wanted to say this, because uh, I'm talking to entrepreneurs here, kingdom-minded entrepreneurs. You know, my best ideas, and I think you guys would agree with this, always came around the holidays. Because that's when we took time off and we're with family and all of those things. And it's your conscious thought pattern is interrupted with time, with margin. 
and you have time to think. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait, I got this great idea. And I want to enact on it. That's why I love the holidays. I mean, obviously, you know, it's Thanksgiving and we got a lot to talk about what God has done for this nation. And, and you, you love Christmas. Food. I love food. Yes. But as an entrepreneur, the holidays, if you work things right and you don't get overwhelmed by all the tasks that you've got, you know, shopping and all that kind of stuff, cooking, it's a great time for you to generate incredibly unique ideas. You know, people forget that the reason those ideas come to you when you're in the shower, on a walk, decompressing during the holidays is because your brain physically, there's like a physiological shift in your brain. So when you're doing certain kinds of tasks that you have to recall information, let's say you're forced to memorize something or you're walking through kind of a process or a series of steps, your brain produces different wavelengths. And when those wavelengths are really tight, so the the distance in between the crests on these wavelengths are really tight, think of it this way. There's no space for a new idea to get in there. Mm. But when you relax, you take a walk, you go for a run. This is why you're in the shower, something comes to you, you're literally done working out, and you're like, I got it. Yep. Because you've created some space here for these new That's ideas right. to come in. You create these aha opportunities. So the holidays should be that for us. That's right. But, I like how Michael Hyatt says that margin is the gap between your load and your limits. It's great. So during the holiday season, we often lighten our load, at least to a certain extent. And generally, that margin is filled with really good ideas or really good solutions to an existing problem in your company or whatever it may be, even uh, bridges in relationships and the ability to navigate certain things, because we need that margin. That's the beauty of holidays. But you know what I I also like about it? And I want to say this before we get to the history, because I really do want to, I want David to take some time to share the story of Thanksgiving, the exact thing that we have read to our company every year since we started in 2003, what I want to say is, as a business owner, creating memories for your people, creating traditions around the holidays that you do as a company is so vitally important. Why? Because your identity is defined by the memories that you have. And so if, as a company, you can help create awesome, memorable memories for people around the holidays or or however you're going to do it, but specifically around the holidays, you're helping them in their identity come to know who they are. And so for David and I, it was always every year we would do a massive Thanksgiving feast and everybody would bring food. David and I would provide, you know, the main, the main dish, you know, it's, I think for he and I, we might've outsourced the smoking of some turkeys. (laughs) (laughs) We we might've done that, but we always provided the meat and then everybody would bring sides and then we'd all get together, and it was it was literally like the whole day. It was just kind of a fun thing, and we'd do massive desserts, and we just completely took off where people didn't have to worry about checking their emails as much or anything like that. And then uh, right after the meal, David, or actually right before the meal, David would read the story of Thanksgiving just to remind our people of what Thanksgiving is all about and what we have to be thankful for here in America. Because you can't go to North Korea and run a business like you can here in America. That's right. You that just is correct. Can't. And we need to be thankful for that. But, you know, there's two things that have to happen if a prevailing worldview, which the prevailing worldview of America has, by and large, been Christianity. Now, it hasn't been perfect, but it it has had a biblical Judeo-Christian ethic. But if a new worldview wants to come in and take over a prevailing worldview, the only way that it can do it is two ways. It has to redefine words and rewrite history. And so, obviously, you see the words being redefined right before our very eyes. That's right. I, I grew up watching the Flintstones. It's a yabba dabba do time. We'll have a gay old time, right? So we can't say that now. Why? Because that word's been redefined. That's right. It's even the rainbow flag has been, the rainbow has been taken and placed on a flag. And now all of a sudden it symbolizes something different than what God originally intended. The same is true with history. 
that they have to rewrite history if they're going to take and overcome a worldview that brought us to the point where we became the greatest nation on earth because it led to freedom. And so Thanksgiving points back to those people and their original intent on what they wanted this nation to be. So traditions in your business, it's good. Thanksgiving is awesome, but we need to get into the history of Thanksgiving so that you as a kingdom-minded entrepreneur don't ever forget yes. what our country was based upon. All right, put this, put this on 1.5 speed. Here we go. I read this to our company. Oh, this is good. I read this, this to great. our company. I read this to our family, and we've been doing it for almost two decades. The first, or excuse me, I, 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 was, I was announcing the first Thanksgiving. The pilgrims <laughs> set sail for America on September the 6th, 1620, and for two months braved the harsh elements of a storm-tossed sea. Upon disembarking at Plymouth Rock, they held a prayer service and then hastily began building shelters, because you know the, the, the winter was a-coming. However, they were unprepared for a harsh New England winter. Nearly half of them died before spring. Emerging from that grueling winter, the pilgrims were surprised when an Indian named Samoset approached them and greeted them in their own language explaining to them that he had learned English from fishermen and traders. A week later, Samoset returned with a friend named Squanto, who lived with the pilgrims and accepted their Christian faith. Squanto taught the pilgrims about how to live in the new world, and he and Samoset helped forge a long-lasting peace treaty between the pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians. Pilgrim Governor William Bradford described Squanto as a special instrument sent by God for our good and never left us until the day he died. That summer, so now this would be the summer of 1621. This is after half of the pilgrims died. Think about that. Think about half of your family all dead over the winter. And now here it is, the summer of 1621. The pilgrims, still persevering in prayer and assisted by the Indians, reaped a bountiful harvest. As pilgrim Edward Winslow later became the governor, he affirmed, quote, God be praised, we had a good increase of Indian corn. By the goodness of God, we are far from want. The grateful pilgrims, therefore, declared a three-day feast in December of 1621. So it wasn't November. The very first one was in December. To thank God and to celebrate with their Indian friends America's first Thanksgiving festival. Ninety Wampanoag Indians joined the 50 pilgrims for three days of feasting, which included, pay attention, shellfish, lobster. Of course, if you're in New England, you've got to have lobster. Had to. I would love to have lobster with turkey. Lobster, turkey, cornbread, berries, deer, and other foods. And they played. The young pilgrim and Wampanoag Indian men engaged in races, wrestling matches, and wrestling. athletic events. Could you imagine that? Straight up wrestling. Casual wrestling. Gets, I, will, wrestling. I will arm bar you, Larry. And the dude gets mad and scalps you. <laughs> And they prayed together. The celebration and its accompanying activities were the origin of the holiday that Americans now celebrate in November. And then it continues, and I'm going to skip through it real quick, but then it says the Thanksgiving celebration spread throughout the colonies as America began to grow. And then it says this, America's first national Thanksgiving occurred in 1789 with the commencement of the federal government. So remember, 1789 was the uh, Constitutional Convention. Uh, I thought that was 1787. No, 1786. Well, 1789 was the commencement of the government. And then it says this, according to congressional record, check this out, this congressional record, September 25 of that year, you're not going to hear this on CNN, you certainly won't hear this on MSNBC or Fox News, or as the, that one pastor goes, MSNBC, straight out of hell. Straight out of hell. <laughs> anyway, so check this out. This is a congressional record. Go to, go to the uh, congressional record if you want to read this for yourself. On September 25th 
1789, the first act of the framers of the Constitution and the framers of the Bill of Rights. This was the very first act, and I'm going to read it right off the record. Mr. Elias Boudinot, B-O-U-D-I-N-O-T. I I guess that's Boudinot. Boudinot. He's from Louisiana. He moves with the following resolution. Resolved that a joint committee of both houses be directed to wait upon the President of the United States, who would that be? George Washington, to request that he would recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. That congressional resolution was delivered to President George Washington, who heartily concurred with the request and issued the first federal Thanksgiving proclamation declaring, quote, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, 1789, that we may all unite and render unto Him, that's a capital H, our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection. Let me tell you something. The border crisis in America is not people leaving our country. It's people getting into our country. Why? Because we are a prosperous, free, productive, God-honoring nation. Are we perfect? No. We had slavery. It was an atrocity. You know what? As a matter of fact, Larry, slavery was a global atrocity. That's right. And for thousands and thousands of years, slavery existed. And when we came to America in less than 200 years, we abolished it. We are the only nation to abolish it that fast. England couldn't do it that fast, but we did. And there are hundreds of thousands, millions of Americans, white and black, that died to fight that global atrocity. And so, we're going to have people, you you will see around Thanksgiving, you'll have people that they're going to be talking. It's going to be all over, you know, social media. We, we don't celebrate a nation that had slavery and all of this kind of stuff. But look, what our founding fathers and what our pilgrim forefathers brought was a system that would ultimately abolish it. So they exactly. created that system. But here's the thing, Larry, when you were 13, you did some pretty stupid stuff. Yes, lots. But now how old are you? 45? 45. 45. You look like you're 65. But you know what? It, you know, more power to you. I got, I got some stuff you can rub on your face. Wow. Actually, it's the opposite. Larry looks like he's 25. But now you're at 45, and I refuse to talk to you. I refuse to think good thoughts about you because of the things that you did when you were 13. That's right. Even though you got those things right, now you fix those things. No, but I no heck no. You can't talk to Larry. He used to look at the Sears catalog, like you know. Oh, it's come all on, Jason. Crazy Why did you say that? All up, because oh, the internet well, didn't speaking, exist. Speaking from experience during that time, <laughs> not true. But here's the deal: we live in a redemptionless society right now, and it's redemptionless not among the people of America. It's amongst the mainstream media, the university elites, big tech, and all this. Just this global desire to create disunity and disruption of our lifestyle of our opportunity to peacefully engage business, to peacefully engage each other. And so it's just fomenting all this nonsense, and it's removing redemption. We have grown as a nation. We cannot deny the fact that Thanksgiving is a time to celebrate. Thanksgiving is a time that the pilgrims came here for freedom of religion. King James was horrible in England. They weren't free to worship, so they had to go to Holland for several years. But they said, you know what? We don't like the culture here. We're going to go to the New World. And that's what they did. And it's interesting, when the pilgrims came here, they actually tried communism. Now, it's not Marxist communism. The Mayflower Compact. Exactly. It was was communal. 
In other words, well, that's hey, all they knew. N- none of us own the land. We're just all going to work together. And you know, I want to read a couple of things of Plymouth Plantation. So well, that's got- why that's why America is an idea, right? Because the only thing the known world knew was a socialistic mentality. Like you've got the one main leader, and everybody kind of pitches in there. So yeah. America came over. Let's- after the Mayflower Compact, when they realized, hey, shared property doesn't work. But listen to what William Bradford, who was the first governor of Plymouth Plantation. So now the pilgrims are here in that first summer, and they had a great crop and all this. But as they continued to to do this, check out what happened. He, he says this of Plymouth Plantation. This is William Bradford. He said, sharing all profits and benefits that we all had in common stock, regardless of how each individual worked, was a failure. The failure of that experience of communal service, which was tried for several years and by good and honest men, proved the emptiness of the theory of Plato and other ancients applauded by some in later times that the taking away of private property and possession of it by community did not work. Now listen, and it says, it made people as if they were wiser than God. Now listen to what else he said. He said this, for in this instance... Community of property was found to breed much confusion and discontent, and it retarded employment, which would have been for the general benefit. For the young men, who were most able and fit for service, objected to being forced to spend their time and strength in working for other men's wives and children without any recompense. And Bradford continues, The strong man and resourceful man had no more share of food and clothes, etc., than the weak man, who was not able to do a quarter of the other work. This was outright an injustice. The aged and graver men who were ranked and equalized in labor, food, and clothes with the humbler and younger ones thought it indignity and disrespect to them. And as for men's wives who were obliged to do service for other men, such as cooking and washing clothes, they considered it slavery. And many husbands would not look to it. Like, I agree with that. That's right. He's looking at this. He's saying, look at the crap that this communism is breeding. So check out what happened. Bradford then explained, he says, we abolished it. And he says, let none argue that this is a human failing, the communistic plan of life in itself. He said this, I answer, seeing that all men have this failing in them, that God in his wisdom saw that another plan of life was fitter for them. And what was that plan? Private Private property. property. Check it out. So he says, every man was assigned a parcel of land according to the proportion of their number, and this was very successful. He said, it made all hands industrious so that much more corn was planted other than would have been planted by the governor or anyone else, and it was a far better experiment. And thank God that we had that experiment because all of us entrepreneurs out there, which how many of them are there in America? Oh gosh, small like business 34 owners. million, I think, or 37 million. I don't know what the exact there's, number there's is. There's a lot of them. Thank God, because because of that decision, That's where they right. pivoted, it gave us the foundation to where now we are free to build and grow a business on our own because of the rights of private property and, so, and the way we can spend our money. That's a beautiful thing, and, and we should all be thankful that's for That's right, and we as business owners have to pay attention to what's coming out of the White House and our government, and a lot of this, the targeting of private property, actually taxation on unrealized capital gains, that is just, that's a form of communism, right? That's a form of thievery of private property, and that stuff is in these bills that the the House is looking at passing, the pa- House has already passed the uh, the budget and their spending bill is one point two some trillion dollars, but the stuff that's coming down the pipeline through the Democratic Party and many Republicans look, it ain't a Republican Democrat thing. This is a right wrong thing. 
is when you tax unrealized gains, like on your stock portfolio, or let's just say your real estate, you, you bought a house for 150K, it's worth 300, you don't sell it, you're taxed on that 150 gain. That's on top of the, the property heck? taxes that you're already paying. Okay, so anyway, we have to, as business owners, be vocal about this kind of stuff. We have to remember our history, and let's be incredibly thankful for the pilgrims. Let's be incredibly thankful for America. Let's be incredibly thankful for the redemption in this country. We fought and we've made a lot of things right. We're still not perfect. We're still walking through this, but the way to fix it is not to burn it down and turn away from God. The way to fix it is to remember, to look back, find out what we did right, find out what we've continued to do wrong, and continue now to make those things right, just like we've done for almost 300 years. Did you know that David and I were history majors and not business majors? I love that. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, now you do. Well, for, for our <laughs> listeners, this is really the abbreviated version of the of the Thanksgiving lesson, because this could be three hours if we weren't careful. I know. That's right. And you know, David, it's interesting to hear you say that the media, the establishment are largely responsible for promoting a perspective that we feel like is completely off. However, it's also Christians in many instances who have yes. decided to say, we're going to back down and concede and just not speak up. And there's yeah. a responsibility that we have as Christians to say, we have to represent the heart of God in this process. That is exactly right. I mean, you could not have said it better. I believe pastors across the country should be speaking about Thanksgiving from the pulpit. And you know, it's it's interesting. When you're over the target, that's when Satan targets you and starts shooting arrows at you. If you're not taking arrows, if you're not taking the hits or the accusations, then you're probably not over the target when you start speaking about the true roots of America and the true roots of Thanksgiving, you start taking some seriously politically incorrect blows. They're going to come at you. The media will come at you. Pastors have to just suck it up and speak about it. But but specifically, not just pastors, but us in our own homes, with our families. One of the resources I really like, David Barton has a good little synopsis on wall builders, where he references and cites all original source documents. It's not just some made That's up. great. It's original source documents straight out of the Governor William Bradford's journal, straight out of the congressional record. You can cite these, and he puts them on wall builders for the, the first Thanksgiving. You can read this to your family, and it's you're actually, you don't have to rely on mainstream media to be twisting things. You're getting it from the original source. Yes, and the beauty of history is, you know, David and I, we've read more history books than we've read business books. I mean, hands down, probably twice as many. But you see what happened in history, what worked and what didn't work. And you hear about, you know, if you're not careful, history will repeat itself. I mean, it, it already does anyway. So when you look back at what happened in 16, 19, 16, 20, 16, 21, and you see all the stuff that happened and what they learned, we can apply it to today in the way that we run our businesses. And going back to what David said, where we're really relying on spiritual leaders, you know, pastors to talk about this Speak. Stuff. Yes. Right? Speak about it. Because during the Revolutionary War— you know, in 1776 and, and 1774 through 78 or whatever, you had the black-robed regiment. It was the pastors who were calling people to arms, like being a part of, hey, here's what's going on in the world. Here's what you need to know about it, and here's how we respond to it. We're calling on pastors. But what I would say is I truly believe this to be the, the case. They're waiting on entrepreneurs like us who are natural risk takers to actually speak. And we look right now with, with some of the loudest voices on the, what we would say the wrong side. You've got the Starbucks and the Apple and the PayPal, and they're just pushing stuff that goes against God's best for marriage and for the world and all of these things. Human flourishing. Yeah. Well, who's leading that charge? It's business people. So on the Christian side, let's let business people step up and we lead the charge. And we say, hey, you know what? This Thanksgiving, let's remember our history. 
And our history is a good one. Now we've got a lot of junk in there too, you know, and you've got to repent for those things. And and we, we have, and now all of a sudden, you know, we're seeing ourselves as a nation in a place where people are trying to drudge up all that old stuff and say, it still exists. It's so, <laughs> I grew up, my hero was Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. I had dudes on my wall. My sons, they've got Steph Curry, uh, Westbrook, you know, on their wall. It's Unfortunately, like that, that LeBron. Didn't, that oh, didn't crap. exist. That didn't exist 200 years ago. You would have never walked into a white home and seen black heroes on the walls. of their, But that's the way I grew up, right? And so I just look at that and say, thank God. Yeah, you know, for our nation that we have a system that gives us the freedom to fix things like they need to be fixed and to continue to move forward. But specifically in business, we need to be thankful for this nation. Well, it's a good reminder to you that expert ownership is about launching faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. That is the goal here, that we can, in the marketplace, make a difference that we believe is going to have a radical, hopefully eternal difference in the lives of people. So, I mean, we could go for a very long time on this, but we can't. Yes. Because the turkey's in the oven. That's right. Ooh. Let's go eat. Probably not. I mean, it's a little early. But You're pregnant with a turkey? Uh, I mean, some That's might not say what that. you meant? Some might say that. I put on a few LBs over the last few years. <laughs> All right. Own it or loan it. Let's wrap up with this Thanksgiving edition. Yams. Oh, gosh. What, loan wait, it. Yams. Is that? That's, that's the purple things. No, yeah. That's cranberry sauce, you no, moron. No, it's not the purple things. No. Yams. Are you talking about sweet potatoes? It's like a sweet potato. Well, it's a variation of a sweet potato. What? But what, I don't understand the difference between a sweet potato and a yam. Uh, Samwise, producer Samwise, can you please fact check that and then let us know a little bit later? Because I don't know either. <laughs> okay, so if you say sweet potatoes, my wife makes this incredible sweet potato casserole where she actually... I've had that. It's good. caramelizes, you know, like, what is it, walnuts or something and puts it on the top. Then, heck yeah, I own that. A yam out of a can, like from Walmart? Like a banana? No, I throw Ugh. that sucker. No, no, no. Loan that. Yams are disgusting. But sweet potatoes? Yeah, those are good. We got double loan it on yams. Yeah, yeah. Sorry if you love them. We don't. <laughs> hey, thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to review, rate, or subscribe to Expert Ownership if you haven't done so yet. And don't forget, impact over income, but uh, it's okay to pursue both. Just get the order right. All right, we'll see you next time. I've been